0: All right, let's look at Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, we're going to begin reading in verse 16. I want to share a message and tell her I am with you. Now, Matthew chapter 28, and uh, beginning in verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Uh, to have the word of God in front of us, to be able to read this great promise uh, that the Lord gave to us. Uh, I am with you. And uh, Lord, I pray you would encourage our hearts tonight. It's been a blessing to be able to sing music uh, that honors the Lord and uh, enter in an agreement together in worshiping and praising our God. We're thankful for our children singing tonight. And uh, Lord, what a great testimony that is of God's grace working in their life. And, Lord, we need you to speak to us tonight and encourage us and strengthen us. And, uh, Lord, I pray if there is anyone here that's not saved, uh, Lord, that they might give us the opportunity to open up the Word of God and show them how to believe on Christ and be able to be born again. And, uh, Lord, I just pray for spiritual growth upon those of us that have trusted Christ. Uh, I pray, Lord, we'll be encouraged and challenged from the Word of God this evening. Well, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, verse 20 is our text verse. It says, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And I just want to take right out of the middle of that chap- that verse, I am with you. Uh, prior to the ascension of Jesus Christ into heaven, we know that he gave... Orders to his disciples, he challenged them about their responsibility to be a soul winner, to go out and preach the gospel. And really, we often read from this passage to deal with the great commission that is given to us to be a witness and a testimony to every individual. Uh, the challenge is to lead people to Christ and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and to disciple them in their commitment to Christ. But right in the middle of this a great Uh, A responsibility that he gives them he makes a statement that I'm with you and oftentimes we um, wonder whether God is present with us or not we wonder if uh, the call of God on our life is going to remove us from the joy of knowing the presence of Christ Uh, there's nothing more powerful and life changing than to know that Christ is with you and uh, when tragedies come when disappointments overwhelm you the blessing that we have is that Jesus has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. He says, I am with you. And uh, the apostle Paul's desire certainly was to, for the presence of Christ in his life. In Philippians 3.10, Paul said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. And I don't think there's anything that more, is more powerful in our life than to know the very presence and the power of God working in us and through us. The desire of the Grecians in the Gospels when they came to the disciples in John chapter 12 and verse 20 and 21 says, They came uh, there before Philip, which was of Spesady of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sirs, we would see Jesus. You know, Jesus had promised, If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. I think personally, as a believer in Christ, we ought to be lifting up Christ In our personal walk with God, our personal testimony each day in our homes, but certainly in the church of Jesus Christ, he ought to be exalted because people want to see Jesus. I don't think people want to see us, amen, but they do want to see Jesus Christ. And so the Grecians long to see Christ. The longing of every Christian in history has been to be able to see the Lord and experience his presence in their life. Titus 2.13 says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God in our Savior Jesus Christ. The hope of tomorrow, the hope of eternity, is the presence of the Lord in our life. And so this great statement in verse 20, I am with you, impacted these disciples' lives. Every one of these disciples would die a martyr's death. And why would they be so strong in their resolve to preach and teach the word of God? Why would they be so committed in their resolve to to uh, testify of the grace of God? It was because of the fact of the presence of God in their life, that they were confident that the Lord was with them. Henry Uh, T. uh, Blackbee in his book, Experiencing God. I don't know if I put that quote on there. I didn't, okay. You'll have to listen up. He said this in his book, Experiencing God. He says, knowing God does not come through a program, a study, or a method. Knowing God comes through a relationship with a person. This is an infinite love relationship with God. Through this relationship... God reveals Himself, His purposes, His ways, and He invites you to join Him, where He is already at work. Now, the amazing thing is, is oftentimes people are trying to pursue and to try to find God. You know, just go where He's working, what He's doing in a in a person's life, and enjoy a relationship with God, fulfilling His purposes and His ways in your life. And so the presence of God, the presence of God calmed the storm in Matthew chapter 8 when the disciples were aboard the ship and the ship was in a storm and it was being tossed to and fro. And uh, listen, it was the presence of Christ that made the difference. And in the storms of life that you may have to deal with, It is the presence of Christ that is going to make the difference in how you're going to respond and how you're going to deal with those circumstances. And so the calming of the storms in life is based upon the presence of God. He said, I am with you. Notice the change, he changed the maniac of Gadara in Mark chapter 5. And we know the story about the maniac of Gadir. No one could bind him. No one could control him. Uh, He would be in the tombs. He would cry at night in his torment. He would cut himself, and people would try to chain him up, and he would break the chains asunder. No one could do anything other than Christ coming in contact with him. In the presence of Christ, they came back and they found him clothed in his right mind. I mean, it is the presence of God that changes us. It is not some program. It's not some mechanical thing that we can connect with. It's not some organization. It is the presence of Christ and Christ alone. He said, I am with you. Not only did it change the presence of God, change the maniac and calmed the storm, but it communicated peace. When his disciples were fearful after the crucifixion of Christ, When he appeared to them in the upper room, his statement was to them, peace, be still. And uh, listen, it was the presence of Christ that gave them peace in a time of turmoil, in a time of fear, in a time of uncertainty. It was the presence of Christ that gave them peace. And then I thought of this, the presence of God is what gives us continued joy. In Revelation chapter seven, it gives us a little bit of a glimpse Into heaven, and the key to the joy that we have in heaven is not the streets of gold, and it's not the gates of pearl, it's not the mansions that are being prepared for us in glory. But may I submit to you, it is the presence of Christ. In heaven. In Revelation chapter 7 and verse 17, for the Lamb which is in the midst of the front throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And so continued joy is based on the presence of God. Jesus said, I am with you. I want to encourage you tonight with the reality that Jesus Christ is always with you, no matter what you're facing or what you're going through or how alone you may feel, he has said, I am with you. And so the presence of God is what makes the difference. Well, we want to think about this, I am with you. Uh, Think of the words of life. In John chapter 6, Jesus fed the 5,000, and after they were full, they all strayed away and left him behind. And Jesus will turn to his disciples in John chapter 6 and verse 67. Jesus said, to, then said Jesus unto his 12, We also go away? You know, the, really the questioning of Christ to his disciples were, are you going to respond to the situation the way everybody else responded? Are you going to go the way that the world is trending? Or are you, going to, uh, are you going to stay with me? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. So the words of life is based upon the presence of Christ. Jesus said, if you abide in me, my words abide in you You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. The words of life that come from Jesus Christ. You know, we listen, we can be encouraged and challenged because of the words that Jesus Christ speaks to us. Now look back in Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is a psalm that speaks completely about the word of God. And since uh, Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are life, then we ought to consider what does the word of life do for us. And uh, notice, first of all, it keeps us from our sins. Keeps us from sin. In Psalm 119 and verse 11. Psalm 119 and verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Now listen, the greatest thing we can do in enjoying the presence of God is allowing the word of god to permeate our whole thought process allow the word of god to permeate everything that we are in our character traits and how we respond to the word world why because it's the word of god that will deliver us And help us not to sin against God. You know, everybody's got their little quirks and everybody's got their ideas about things. And uh, there's nothing more beneficial to you to experience the presence of God. And that is turning to the words of life. It is the word of God that you hide in your heart that keeps you from sinning against the Lord. And so it keeps me from sin. Notice in Psalm 119 and verse 41, It brings me salvation, these words of life, the presence of Christ. And I'm sorry, Psalm 119, verse 41 says, let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. Oftentimes we try to talk to folks that are disquieted in their spirit and they're trying to find salvation, they're trying to find comfort, through their own concept of what salvation is. The psalmist was clear the mercies of God comes to us and the salvation of God comes to us according to what Christ has said. In Matthew 28, where our text is, it was Jesus' words that brought comfort. It was Jesus' words that directed the opportunity for others to be delivered and to be saved. And the promise is simply this, I am with thee, so his words are ever-present to be able to enable us to experience salvation and to be able to lead others to Christ. Notice in Psalm 119 and verse 50, his words provide comfort. Uh, in verse 50, he says, This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. You know, we often, oftentimes people say, Well, I don't feel like God's very close to me. And I've asked them over the years, Well, how is your devotion life? Uh, when was the last time you read the Bible? When was the last time you meditated upon scripture? When was the last time you memorized scripture? See, the presence of God brings comfort because the words of God are ever with us. And so we need to memorize the word, we need to meditate upon the word. We need to allow the word to become a part of who we are because that tragedy's coming. That that problem's coming. And if you're going to be able to deal with that tragedy and deal with that problem, you're going to need to have some scripture that will come to your mind and comfort your heart because of the reality of the presence of God in your life. So the word of life <coughs> provides comfort for us. It must be dry in here. That's right. We'll get lubricated and keep preaching. Amen. Not only does it provide comfort, that's one way to distract you from watching me put a mitt in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Not only does it provide comfort, salvation keeps us from sin, but the words of life gives us direction in life. Psalm 119 and verse 105 gives us direction in life. It says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We need direction. In a world that is so mixed up and so confused, uh, we need to have clear direction from God. And all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. We need to have the presence of God in reference to the fact that, wait a minute, his leading in our life is more important than it is to be led by anything else. And we must allow the word of God to direct our steps So that we might be able to enjoy the presence of God as he leads us in this life. And so his words of life gives direction. But it also establishes truth. Notice in Psalm 119 in verse 160. It reminds us, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. And so the word of God establishes truth. And, uh, you know, Jesus was accused of blaspheming God when he healed the man we looked at this morning. But wait a minute, the words that Christ spoke was truth. You know, when he was before Pilate, he would ask, what is truth? And listen, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so if we're going to be able to enjoy the presence of God it must be based on the words that God has spoken to us, and we establish truth about life. I mean, today people are so confused about biological issues, today people are so confused about political issues. Today, people are so confused about social issues. I mean, people are so mixed up about life because of the heresy and the false teaching that has permeated our society. Bless God, Christian. You can enjoy the presence of God by being assured you know what is right and what is wrong because of the word of God. Jesus spoke his words to his disciples, and he said, wait a minute, remember this, I am with you. And I'm glad that God is always with us. He never forsakes us and leaves us alone. So I thought about words of life. I thought about in Acts chapter 7 about eternal life. Not just words of life, but experiencing eternal life. In Acts chapter 7, we read of Stephen being persecuted for his faith and preaching the word of God. And we read in Acts chapter 7 and verse 59 about Stephen being stoned to death because of his faith in Christ. But it tells us this in uh, Acts chapter 7, verse 59, they stoned Stephen calling upon God. Now that's amazing to me. Every time I read that verse, it stirs my heart. Here is Stephen being martyred. He's being stoned to death. And it simply says they stoned Stephen calling upon God. Stephen didn't forget that his God was with him. Stephen didn't look at his life as being persecuted and being martyred as God had abandoned him. In his martyrdom, he's calling on his God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. How in the world could someone do that? It's because of the fact they had confidence that the Lord was with him he called upon his God. He desires of his God not to bring this charge against those that are killing him, because he was assured of the fact that he had everlasting life. Why is that? Because he is there to hear my cry. I love Psalm 18, I'm sorry, Psalm 18 and verse 6. It says, I in my distress, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and he heard my cry. My voice came before him, even into his ears. I'm thankful that when, listen, when tragedy comes and difficulty overruns us, that God is listening to the cry of his people. Why? Because he is always there to hear your cry when you cry out to him. Stephen is at the point of dying and he's confident enough to call on Christ because he was aware of the fact that the Lord had not abandoned him. And may I encourage you with this tonight, that God does not abandon you in your trials and difficulties that you must face and go through. He is there. The difference with the Christian is not that we're absent of trials and difficulties. The difference between the world and the Christian is that the Christian has God with him when he goes through those trials and difficulties. It's how sad it is for the unsaved world to have to go through life and trials and difficulties with no assurance that anybody is with them. I, I, I often think about that. We've had to do a lot of funerals in the last year. And I just think about what it would be like as an unsaved person and coming to the end of your life and dying and knowing that you're completely alone. Knowing there's no God that cares for you. There's no God that's going to deliver you. To know that there's no one you can cry out to because there's no one who has promised to be with you because you rejected the only Savior of this world. I, don't, I couldn't live my life that way. I couldn't live my life in rebellion against God. I couldn't live my life in reference to an ignorance of eternal life because of the fact that God has promised, I'm with you, uh, death has no hold. Death has, does not grip us with fear. Death does not overwhelm us because we know even in that hour when we cry unto God, he hears our cry. And so he is not. his ears are not turned deaf to our difficulties, but rather he's paying attention to the heartache heartache that we have. And so he is there to hear my prayer. Not only that, but he is there to receive my spirit. You know, uh, Paul said this, I'm confident rather to say to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And the, the promise of Jesus was, I am with you. He made that to disciples that he knew were going to die for their faith. He said that knowing that there was going to be a time and not too long down the road where they were going to die also. And he says this, you remember this, I'm with you. And Paul writes for us to help us to understand we could be confident because of the fact that when we depart from this life, we're into the presence of God. You know, in Ecclesiastes 12, 7 says, Then shall the dust return to the earth from whence it came, and the Spirit shall return to God who gave it. The eternal life that we have and we're assured of is based on the promise of Christ that he'll be with us no matter where we are or what we're going through. The amazing thing is this in Acts 7, do uh, you see oh, uh, Stephen being uh, martyred for his faith. Now you read about Stephen. You see the Lord uh, standing on the right hand side of the throne of God to receive Stephen in the glory, because he listen. He never, never abandons us in our time of trial and when facing death. So he receives my spirit. Uh, he is there to give rest to my soul. And uh, what I, I was talking to someone. Oh, not too long ago, and they were struggling with some things about salvation, and we were praying together, and I was helping them out with some issues. And, I listen, the person came to me, and I asked him, I said, How are you doing? How are you doing? We've been praying about your soul. We've been praying about your condition. I'll never forget that person. He looked me right in the eyes, and he told me, he said, Pastor, I just want you to know, all is well with my soul. Amen. Glory to God, I'm telling you one thing. There is nothing that is more precious than to know that God has promised that he would be with us. And if he's gonna be with us, then all is well with my soul. In Psalm 116 in verse five says, gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth us simple. I'm thankful for that, amen. He says, and I was brought low, and he helped me. And so knowing this, that the Lord is there to give rest to my soul. Why? Because, you know, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. You're not by yourself. Sometimes people say, I just feel like I'm all by myself. No, you're not. Where, Where can you go to be absent from the presence of God? There's nowhere that you can go. So I see there's eternal life. I see the words of life help me to remember and experience the reality that the Lord's with me. But I see the freedom in life. In uh, Romans uh, chapter 10 and verse four, freedom in life. It says this, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. The amazing thing is that Christ sets us free. And listen, there's a freedom from the law that condemned me. And it says here that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. I'm thankful for the freedom that I have in Christ Jesus. It's not freedom to sin. It's the freedom to live apart from sin that destroyed my life. In Romans chapter 7, in verse 9, Paul says, For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. In other words, Paul said this, the law had condemned me. The law had really brought judgment upon me because of the fact that I was alive. I felt okay. In other words, he was fitting in with the world and doing what everybody in the world was doing, and everything was acceptable. Wait a minute, God said. and When God said, thou shalt not, Paul said this, at that point I died. At that point, I was condemned. But at that point, I was judged by God's law. But hallelujah, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. And so Paul says, wait a minute, there's freedom in life because Jesus said, I am with you. I'm free from the law that condemned me. He said this, freedom from the sin that bound me. Not just the law of God that condemned me and judged me but I'm free from the sin that bound me up. That's why Paul says in Galatians 5, 1, be ye therefore steadfast. No, That's not the verse, amen. Therefore, no, that's not the verse either. <laughs> what verse did I want to say, amen? I better look it up, amen. Then fast, all right, that's how it starts. Glory to God. You give me the first two words, I can go with it, Amen. <laughs> Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has set us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And so Paul says, Wait a minute. Christ is with me because he has set me free from the law that condemned me and he is delivered from me from the sin that bound me. So stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free. Not only that, but freedom from life that bores me, amen? (laughs) You always get tickled because uh, people uh, think that they're going to have fun in the world. Let me ask you something. If it's so much fun in the world, why are they drug addicts? If it's so much fun in the world, the dancing and carrying on and, and all this stuff, if it's so much fun, why are the alcoholics? If it's so enjoyable, why are the places you're supposed to enjoy yourself dark? You know, what, if, if it is that great, why is so many people needing counseling and help? And why are so many people committing suicide if the world is that good? Wait a minute. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give you life abundantly. I'm going to tell you right now, hands down, it's better to live with Jesus than it is to live in the world. I mean, I chased after everything that was in the world, and it was just boring. That's all it was. I remember, my wife and I were talking about this a while ago. I'll say the other day because I don't remember what time it was. We were talking about before we got saved, You know, the big thing on Friday night was going to the local bar. And all you do is sit there all night long. You just sit there and spend all your money buying booze to have a headache in the morning. And then sit there and say, didn't we have a great time last night? What a boring way to live. I remember when I was in the Marine Corps, I was out in California. Man, I thought I was living it up. And now I think back, all I did was sit in a stinking bar. What a boring way to live. But man, God saved me. <laughs> I mean, he saved me and he gave me a life. Don't you tell me it's better to live in the world. I'm going to tell you, God has taken me to places around the world. God has enabled me to see people and interact with people. God has blessed me abundantly. God's given me things that I didn't know I was going to get, amen. I walk with Jesus any day. He said, I'm with you, Mike I said, glory to God, come on. Man. Don't you tell me the world's better. That's the devil's lie trying to rob your soul and trying to take your joy and t- trying to bring you down low to where you'll be crippled in life. You said, I'm with you. That means, hey, man, there's freedom in life. You say, well, I'm bored in life. Oh, man, go around with me. I'll take you where it's exciting, amen. I'll find somebody who'll yell at you. <laughs> I'll find somebody to be upset with you. I'll find somebody to say, man, you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Amen? I'm just saying this. Folks, we have allowed the world to paint a picture that you're missing out on something by being a Christian. Young people, let me challenge you with this. All you young people, listen to me. Stop talking with each other right now and look up here at me. Let me challenge you with this. There is nothing that this world has to offer you, that this world would give you, that's gonna be blessed, that's gonna be good, that's gonna be exciting, that's gonna be life changing. There is nothing that the world's gonna give you, but everything in Christ is abundant and joyful and exciting. Stop fighting with Christ, stop fighting against God. Surrender your life to Christ, get over yourself. Get away from the world and take on the character of Christ. Why? Because he said this, I'm with you. He'll not abandon you. I'll tell you, friends will abandon you. Christ will never abandon you. The world will abuse you. Christ will never abuse you. I'm telling you, the world will rob from you, but Jesus will bless you. And so, listen, I'm glad that God gave me freedom in life, freedom from the life that bored me. Amen. Well, here's another thing. There's a sustainer of life. He says, I'm with you. What does that mean? That means he sustains my life. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Sustainer of life is based upon his foundation. Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So he lays a foundation for us to be able to enjoy our life. And in, or I should say, on that foundation, he has promised, I'm with you. you. You know, you're not by yourself. There's a good firm foundation for you to stand on. His propitiation... Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God is satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ for your sins. And so you can enjoy a life that is forgiven and a life that is cleansed because of the sacrifice of Christ. He is the sustainer. He's with us. He is still the foundation. He is still the chief cornerstone. And he is still the revealer of the love of God that we can experience every moment and every day. Yeah. And his intercession. You know he's interceding for you. You ever think about this? I wonder would stay in front of the microphone. You ever think about this as I've been preaching for the last 45 minutes. might be 55 by the time I'm done. I don't know. In the time that I've been preaching this message, Jesus Christ has been sitting at the throne of God interceding for you. (laughs) He don't get no better than that, folks. He's ever interceding for us. Why? Because he said, I'm with you. And he, listen, he knows the heartache. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow that's going to knock you on your heels. But he's already interceded at the throne to help you. You realize this, the Holy Spirit of God, in the time that I've been preaching, has been approaching the throne of God with groanings that cannot be uttered. Why? Because he's with you and he cares for you and he wants to help you. He's the sustainer of life. So we often read this Great Commission. We preach messages on the Great Commission. We talk about preaching the Great Commission. We talk about leading people to Christ. We talk about being soul winners. We talk about baptizing people. We talk about discipleship. We talk about all those things, but I think the foundation is that Jesus said, I'm with you. I'm with you. You don't need to be afraid to do these things. You don't need to be afraid to accomplish those things. Because no matter where you are, where you're going, what you're doing, I'm with you. And I want to encourage you tonight, whichever you're facing right now, whatever's going to come tomorrow, don't you forget that Jesus is with you. I am with you. Thank you, Lord, that there's never been a time when you've abandoned me. Thank you, Lord, no matter where I've been or what I've had to face or experience, God, you've been there with me. And he's with you tonight. I'm thankful that he's an ever-present God. I, I couldn't say enough. I couldn't say enough. I need to shut up because I just keep going on and rambling a little bit about what all God has been to me since I've been saved. You talk about a wonderful Savior. Hallelujah. We have a great God. Amen. I think the most precious thing in all of my Christian life is I know that wherever I turn, whatever I turn, wherever I go, whatever I try to come... There is the Lord right there with me. He's ever present with me. Let's pray for prayer. My Father, I thank you for the great promise in these passages that we call the Great Commission. We ought to call it the Great Promise. You're with us. There may be somebody here tonight, Lord, really hurting. They're aching inside because they feel they're all alone. May they be refreshed in their spirit. Will you send the Holy Spirit upon them? Remind them, Lord, restore unto them. The reality that, God, you are with them. We might have to walk through trials and difficulties, but we never walk through alone. And so, God, encourage our hearts tonight with the reality of thy presence. Or there may be someone here tonight's not saved. They need to know Christ as their Savior in order to be able to come into the presence of God and enjoy the presence of God all the days of their life. I pray they would come and be saved tonight. <clears throat> My prayer, Lord, is that the Lord Jesus Christ has been exalted and lifted up tonight. Receive our praise, receive our worship, receive our acknowledgement of the preciousness of a God who never leaves us. Bless us in this invitation, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.